You're listening to Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Let's get started. Kelly ended up solo for her interview with Michelle, and it's an amazing interview. I am just fascinated by this idea of not only world school, but just traveling as a lifestyle Yeah, with a family, with kids. Imagine doing that with Bean. You know what? I think that if my mindset was very used to that lifestyle, then yes. But today I can't because we don't go anywhere. The other thing is I think that you really have to know yourself because I am a homebody. Yeah. And if you get romanticized with that idea but then at the end of the day you're just a homebody you're probably not gonna be very happy but if you just itch all the time to see the world I think that this probably would be the better way to go and gets the itch just from yeah patient she gets that itch like it's time it's time to go you know what I mean yeah you know what else I got from it Carrie I feel like from a parenting perspective I'm like Okay, I'm like trying to get Mason to eat some salad. Meanwhile, her kids are only watching TV in Spanish. If they if they watch a show, they only are allowed to watch TV in Spanish. And I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just I feel like it. Anything is possible on how you choose to parent, or or the fact that she said that. I'm like, I asked about the belongings that they take and they each of their kids get a Ziploc bag of any toys or anything. A Ziploc bag. Wow. My kids take more in the car on the way to school than, than her kids take to another country. Yeah. I, honestly, listening to it, I kind of was like, I want to do this. But again, you have to know yourself. I feel like if both her and her husband get that itch all the time. It totally makes sense. But for somebody like me who just wants to be home after being out of town for a week, you know, it might not make sense. Kelly, how do you know Michelle? So Michelle um, works at Beauty Counter, the past company that I was with. And she is one that like was rocking her business. Um, and I always get to know people's stories. And she has a blog um, that's called retired toddlers. Um, and I was just fascinated. I, I honestly, at the beginning of the intro of the pod of this episode, I said like, we have interviewed a million people, but if I could really change places with someone, this is it. Like I now listen, I'm not saying I could actually do it or that I have the stamina or the drive or the itch, but I'm fascinated by it. And when I look at her Instagram, I would I could look at her Instagram pictures longer than I could look at any celebrity, any amazing person, because I'm just fascinated. Like I said to her in the interview that my kids loved the video of they saw a sloth like and they like were right by the sloth and the sloth was like going the grass against the ground and then climbing this tree. Like I'm fascinated that her kids get to do these things i forget what she said the animal i'm gonna screw it up again in her instagram like they were in africa and they were obviously with um you know real guides uh she i think it's a cheetah jumped on top of their like their caravan truck 
Like it was on top of them. You could see the footprints above her head and her little kids are in this car. I'm just like amazed at what she's posting. And I feel like her kids will have a completely different perspective of the world. I also think, you know, like in, in all Instagram or social media highlights, which I know we're going to talk about social media um, at some point soon. I think of course we're seeing the highlight reels. And she says in the, she says in the episode that do her kids have meltdowns? Sure. Do they cry? Do they have bad days? Yes. And so sometimes when I'm looking at these pictures, I'm sure I'm seeing the best version or I'm, I'm thinking about the best version of what that looks like to travel. Yeah, uh, for sure. I agree with you. If I were to change places for a day and not like kind of actually deal with everything else, <laughs> right? you know what I'm saying? I think you really have to be a very specific type of person and you have to have a pretty high risk tolerance, especially during COVID. I don't think I have that. Yeah, I don't think you do either. I think anxiety I doesn't go with this type of lifestyle. <laughs> no. No, I for sure not. Yeah, but I am completely fascinated. I think that it sounds awesome. And in a way, I would love to have done this as a child. Like my, my parents just bring me everywhere. I don't know. It's always grass greener, right? Exactly. Like, I'm sure there are moments that are hard and terrible and they get somewhere and they're like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, there has to be those moments. I just think it's so cool and fascinating. And I could talk to her for another five hours. I asked what their favorite location was. I mean, she's been to like 80 some countries. Her kids have been to like 50 countries and she said she couldn't really say she doesn't have a place, but she said, if you ask my kids, it would be the Fal Falkner Islands. I think that's what it's called. And she said they got to see the penguins, like the emperor penguins. Ah. And she posted pictures today. Um, she said a bit of a throwback Falkland Islands. And her kids are so little and they're just surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of penguins. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I just can't, like, I'm just fascinated by it. All right, listeners, here is Kelly's interview with Michelle. My backstory is I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. I, um, I went to University of Georgia in college. I studied abroad for a semester. I always had a love for travel, and I think I kind of got the travel bug a little bit doing that, a little bit. My parents took me to Europe um, when I was a teenager, and then... After college, I backpacked Europe. I had met my husband and we started dating. And then not when I backpacked, but in college, I met him. A few years into dating, we decided to both quit our jobs, sell everything. And at that time, we were really, really broke, really living off of pennies, basically. And we decided to travel because we thought that if we get married and have kids, we can't travel after that. So let's get all of our traveling out now. That way, when we get married and have kids, then we won't feel like we need to travel all the time. And so we did that. We did that for a year and we kind of figured out little niches of how we could kind of start a business and make money, why we did that. Because like I said, we were, we were quite broke back then. Fast forward, we had our two babies and we had traveled with them since they were both pretty young, 
probably each, as soon as I each turned like two or three months, we were traveling with them, but just in the country. And it wasn't until my son, my youngest turned one, that we actually decided we needed to buy a bigger house. We needed a little bit more space. We were just going to sell our house, buy a big one down the street. Long story short, there was nothing available that really kind of struck our fancy. And we spend the summers in Rhode Island. We always have my husband's from there and we rent a place up there for the summer. I said, why don't we just take the summer, put our stuff in storage, sell what we can, put our other stuff in storage. And then when we come back after the summer, we'll buy a house. And one thing kind of led to another. And there were a couple moments. One was we were in New England in a small studio hotel, like a you know, one bedroom hotel, small thing. Why would I need a bigger house? Why would, what are we, why are we doing this? Yeah. And, and we just both started kind of talking and then one thing kind of led to another and we just decided, you know what, let's go abroad for a few months and see how it works. And we'll come back in three to six months and then buy another house. That was five years ago, over five years ago. And we are still traveling. So that's how we got here. Okay. I think that's amazing because I guess I didn't realize that when you first set off on traveling that you planned on coming back and buying a house. I I assumed that you kind of sat down and you're like, okay, this is the life that we're going to live. This is a life we're going to choose for the kids. But really it was just intended to be a short summer and then you were going to come back, purchase a house. I had no idea that's how it got started. How old are your kids now, Michelle? They're now six and eight years old. You know, when you set off to do this, did you and your husband down and start talking? You Did you sit down and have a big conversation about it? Or was it just that it started, it happened, and you just started rolling with it because it was working? Pretty much it happened that we just started rolling with it because it was working is kind of the short version. I was saying a lot of people reach out to me and they'll say, okay, how did you plan for this? What were the necessary steps that you took? You know, we're thinking about going in two to five years and taking off. Before we had kids, before we had a house, we had intentionally sold everything, quit our really nice jobs because we knew we wanted a path of trying to get a little bit more freedom in our lives. We liked that freedom. We liked a little bit more entrepreneurship, that sort of thing. So in that sense, we we kind of had this vision in our head that we would have more freedom. It just didn't necessarily include going abroad 365 days of the year. And so that we just kind of fell into. It was kind of like one of those things where we just were like, let's try it. Let's have this adventure. Let's see. Let's have some bonding time with our family. See what happens. Even for myself, and I feel like probably for the average listener, I've never been to Europe, which sounds crazy because I feel like I do love to travel. And I have this, you know, I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Greece. I want to go to Paris. Um, I'm sure you're going to tell me all the other places I should be going in the world. Even me or, you know, my partner, us just jumping and doing that feels like a lot. And you travel all the time with two kids. Like, how do you not feel overwhelmed to figure it out? What does traveling and planning the next trip look like? Kind of two different parts to that. One is that I will say when you're traveling, like we're traveling full time, you're not traveling like you're planning a big vacation. You're not planning this one trip for the entire year and everything's going into this one trip, right? And then you want to like plan, plan, plan. Like most people want to go somewhere. If they're going on a trip like that, it's not like a beach relaxing vacation. They're trying to go see the Eiffel Tower and then go see this and then this and this. And they're constantly going, right? Where we don't travel like that. 
So that becomes more of a lifestyle. We slow travel a bit. Times we're not like going, 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 because at times I definitely feel that way. But then we have a couple weeks where like right now, we really went pretty hard in August. Right now, it's just all about relaxing before we travel a little bit more in Mexico. This whole month, really, in uh, Nicaragua. It's a different type of travel when you travel full-time. And then planning it. So we've planned a few different ways. Sometimes my husband plans parts. Sometimes I plan parts. We kind of take turns a little bit. We've tried where we plan things out ahead of time. And we've tried where we kind of plan things on the go. We have found that if we plan things on the go, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're living in the moment because you're constantly planning for the next thing. And so we have, prior to COVID, gotten to the habit of planning things out maybe three to six months at a time, or at least having a pretty good idea of what we're doing. But most of the time we are kind of planning things out a little bit more. That way we don't feel like we have to do the planning while we're traveling. However, this past summer was my hardest time planning a trip ever. And I, and I had just planned a big one to Tanzania in May. And that was truly amazing. Uh, we spent a month in Tanzania. I worked with a travel agent on that one. I don't always work with travel agents, but I did with that one, a, a tour company, really. That was great. When we got back in Rhode Island for the summer, I said, okay, I'll plan the fall over the summer. I'll take a couple weeks and plan it. It became quite difficult to say the least, because of all the changing restrictions, country to country, and it's literally constantly changing. One country announces they're open, you decide to go there. That was like Greece for us and Italy for the falls where we were supposed to spend the fall. And then finally, toward the end of July, I just threw in the towel and said, we have to pivot. And everything looks like they're closing down there. And we just have to pivot and we're going to have to kind of plan on the go. We're going to kind of know what we want to do, but we're going to have to kind of plan on the go. And that's kind of what we're doing for the fall. Obviously, the pandemic put a bump in the road when you live, your house is the world, right? Like you are constantly moving and living. Like how did you, you said pivot, but what did that look like? Did you go through a time where you're like, oh, are, are we going to be able to do this still? How does this, how did, was it affected in general? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two, two times, I guess. One, we were on a big 77 day cruise um, through Antarctica and South America, Amazon River, early 2020. And then COVID hit and we got our cruise in. We, maybe it was cut by two days, but we got back end of March and we were just kind of like, okay, what do we do? We, we went to stay with my family in Cincinnati and then we eventually decided we're going to go to Rhode Island and put the kids in their first American school up in Rhode Island for that school year. So we did do that for most of the school year. I, I finally pulled them out in May and we started traveling again. We did have to pivot a little bit there. We just kind of realized there's nowhere to really go at that point in 2020, end of 2020, but the United States. So we went where we had community and that's probably an important aspect of of how we decide where we're going to travel to and that we constantly come back to some of these same places so that the kids have community, like they have their community in Rhode Island. We constantly go back to Cincinnati multiple times a year. Come 2021 is when I finally was getting the itch like, okay, I think we can go again. And really it comes down to looking up what places are open, right? What places are accepting travelers? Tanzania was, they were very open. And so we went and we just had a wonderful time 
there. And that's kind of what we're doing now too, is like what places are open, accepting travelers and not having like a lot of quarantine, a lot of other restrictions. That basically decides how, where we're going to travel right now. And it's, it's pretty slim pickings, but there's a ton of traveling families out there that do what we do. There's a whole lot of world schooling community, a whole lot of traveling families. And so we kind of find ourselves in some of the same places as these families over and over. So it makes it fun as we kind of travel on. There's slim pickings a little bit. The families kind of find themselves all in the same types of countries or same countries. So that's been fun too. I know that you call it world schooling, which I'm also fascinated by, but I had no idea I mean, I guess I should have known that there's a community of parents that have also chosen this for their children. And what does schooling look like? I think that your children are getting a more open, better view of the entire world. And I feel like they're probably in the whole scheme of things going to end up being bilingual and highly educated and have this just totally different perception of the world. But what does schooling look like? Because they are getting to be of an age where they, do you have certain times where you do specific things or how, what does that look like? World schooling in general, I think was just term, was just a term used by the families that just kind of found themselves in this lifestyle of schooling. It's, it's a little bit of you know, homeschooling, a little bit of unschooling, a little bit of traditional schooling. We kind of throw it all into the mix a little bit. Essentially, world schooling is showing your kids the world and learning about it, right? And in doing so, you end up learning a lot of things that you would learn in school and a lot that you wouldn't. But for us specifically, because our kids really, I mean, when we first started traveling, we didn't really have to worry about it that much. Um, because they were one and they were three when we first started traveling. But they learned a lot along the way. And in this time frame, we have done, we put them in school in local school in Mexico, off and on here and there. So we have a little bit of community there. And there they really got, their Spanish really got good, especially my daughter's. Hers really got great. So she she is on the path to really having both languages, i say. My son, he is so confident and he understands a lot of Spanish. If they watch shows or, or movies or anything, they only watch them in, in Spanish. So he definitely understands a lot, but his speaking, we probably need to go back to school there for a little bit. And then we did a little bit of that American public school experience last year. And then other than that, we really, I mean, we see a lot of the world and we just learn about it. That's really what it comes down to. When we go to the pyramids in Egypt, there's a lot of history there that you don't, you can't even comprehend until you're there. I couldn't comprehend until I was there. Maybe I should just put it that way. You might be able to. And, and so a lot of it just kind of lends itself to talking about some big topics, talking about war, talking about genocide, talk, talking about some really hard things. And it, it obviously doesn't get as in-depth when they're younger, as now we can have some more robust conversations as they're getting a little bit older. And then recently I've started to, especially here, because our travel is quite slow right now. Um, the first two weeks in Nicaragua, we were at a world school. It's just a pop-up school. It's kind of like family camp, that world school. All world schools are a little bit different. That one was a little bit like family camp. There's activities, Spanish class, art class, dance, folklore class, salsa class. And then we do excursions as a group family units um, all go together to do these excursions. So we did that for the first two weeks we're here. And now the rest of this month, we have a very slow travel. So I do incorporate some more 
traditional kinds of school lessons, maybe, you know, reading, writing, math into their day, but little, little bits at a time, maybe an hour a day, but they can really cram pretty much into an hour when you're not getting up from your desk and doing other things. I think in general, the amount of things that I learned in school that I have no use for, struggled with, and have never used again. I think if your children are going to find what direction they want to go in life, because of how you live, they'll be able to focus in on and excel in that area. Absolutely. And we, we stress that a lot, that, you know, find some of your strength. I mean, I also am very aware and I try to, every once in a while, try to figure out like, okay, are they falling behind in any way? I've never seen signs of it. In fact, I always kind of feel like they're ahead. They're still young though. That could happen, you know, eventually. And I'll just have to kind of, as parents, we just try to be aware that they're not Falling behind, whatever falling behind might be. Honestly, I'm not a huge believer in like test scores and all that kind of stuff, but I want to make sure that they're not going to struggle with certain things in life. Aware of that. My husband and I are very aware of that. But we also feel that, yeah, like you said, like they can find their strengths. They find these things that they're so interested in. I mean, they want to learn. They ask a billion questions. I, I don't think they could possibly ask that many questions in a school day as they ask us. And we're constantly teaching them about this or that, the other thing. They, I mean, my daughter loves to read. She could just read all day long. And she's just, and they're both just so interested in everything that it makes it easy for learning. And so, yeah, and, and they get the cultural experience. To us, it's really important that they understand how to talk to a lot of different types of people, how to interact with people, and just let that curiosity kind of flourish there as well. Originally, before we talked, because now I'm learning, I was thinking that they wouldn't have those, the ability to have friendships, community, but you do put them in situations where they are around other kids and they get to interact and have those, build those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we first started, it wasn't as important. We would just find playgrounds or, you know, they would find kids everywhere we went, but it was just playing around with kids. Even if they didn't speak the same language, they always, I I found there's, Three games that kids all over the world can play together, even if they don't speak a lick of the same language. It's tag. They'll just play tag for hours, not not being able to talk to each other or talk to each other in language. They use other gestures and stuff. Um, tag, soccer or football um, in, in other countries, but soccer and chess. Those seem to be like universal games any kids can play together. So we we have found a lot of that when we have traveled early on, we still find that, you know, the kids found somebody the other day, a, a little girl here that they just went off and played with and they were all playing all sorts of different games. But then we also make it a point. We want these certain pockets of community that our kids have this community. Cause that's the one thing that I constantly am like, you know, when I grew up, I had this community I grew up in and lived my entire life. Um, and my kids are not going to have that. And how does that feel? And I, I think it's one, it's a little bit different world today. And two, I just have realized like people move, like you can still have community and it doesn't have to be this, you know, this thing, how I envisioned because I grew up a certain way that has to be a vision for my, my kids' life. So we do, we, we go back to Rhode Island every single summer. They have great friends there. They have great community there. And then we just built it even bigger because we spent a school year there. And then we had our community in Mexico, which, cause the kids have been off and on in school there. It's a very local Mexican community, but they have their friends there and that community there. And then 
you know, we go to Cincinnati every three to four months to visit my family. So they have really strong family ties there and a lot of bonding there as well. And then just recently, like I said, we put the kids in this world school in Nicaragua and it just so happens a lot of those same kids are also going to be at the school we're going to be at in Dominican Republic later this year. And our my kids will spend a six-week session at Dominican Republic at this, this school that accepts some local and as well as world schoolers. And, um, and so they'll have that community, they're kind of building now this world schooling community. And, and that's more of what we're looking to incorporate into our, our future travels is some of these world schooling pop-ups, events, schools, and then do our travel in between. So I think that this is good. I mean, multiple things, like I'm learning so much in general. One, children adapt. I always feel like when people get really stressed about a move or a situation, it's how you communicate, approach the situation, and kids will adapt. Like, they're so adaptable. So I feel like this just shows that in general. Two, I feel like I bet school doesn't, like, learning, reading, asking questions it's fun for them because it's not like a forced, you're going to school every day from, you know, eight to three o'clock. And then three parenting learn learning of the day for Kelly. The fact that your kids watch any, if they do watch a show, it's in Spanish. When you came upon that, I'm assuming that you and your, what's your husband's name again, Michelle? Jake. 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 So yeah. you and Jake like sit down and, and talk about, you know, like, okay, when, when they start watching you know, a show here and there, let's make sure it's in a different language. Like, how do you even come up? I wouldn't have even thought of that. That kind of came about because they were pretty young when they, the first time they went to the school in Mexico, they were quite young and we were only there for a month, but they had, we had kind of had no choice at that point. I don't even remember if we brought like iPads or whatnot, but I remember the TV in our place only had shows in Spanish. And so they just watched the shows in Spanish whenever the, the rare times they would honestly watch there because we were always doing other things. And then we just kind of got to the point where when we started traveling outside of Mexico after that, we were like, well, they already have a Spanish kind of base. And that kind of made me allow them to watch TV and movies a little bit more freely. Um, not that they get to do that much, but mainly just because of our lifestyle, we're just too busy doing other things. But when they do, I, I kind of just feel like, oh, well, it's okay because it's a learning experience. Um, and sometimes when we're not around Spanish-speaking countries a lot or we're not getting enough Spanish in, I actually am like, can you guys please go watch like a couple shows or a movie in Spanish because I want to make sure that they hear it enough. So yeah, that, that was something that we decided, but we just kind of, it was one of those things that they already, we started to have a base and then they were so young and now they just don't even question it. It's not just like, oh, mom, do we have to watch this in Spanish? They just do it. They, they, that's what they have just learned to do. And they, I think they just fully comprehend, so it's not a big deal. I'm assuming that it's not that you're going and staying at fancy resorts here and there and you're eating dinner out every single night. I'm just guessing this. I, I have no idea. I think at times you probably stay in a more... I saw your Tanzania. Like That was a really special trip, and you planned some really great things, but I'm assuming that it's not elaborate. And I also am intrigued because in general, you probably, I'm guessing, don't have a ton of belongings. Like I um, am in Michigan for a few days and I have this like huge suitcase because I'm crazy. But I'm thinking that you don't travel with a lot. 
No, we, we don't travel with a lot and, and we've gotten better and better at it. And it definitely depends on the type of trip. Like this trip is all Central America, Caribbean, and Yucatan, Mexico. It's a pretty easy trip to pack for because you need some bathing suits, warm weather clothes. We have one long sleeve shirt each or something like that. So that's a super easy trip. We each have a very small carry-on and that's it. And actually the kids share a carry-on. I have a carry-on, my husband has carry-on. And then we have a carry-on of other stuff, right? Like just, you know, sunscreens and stuff like that that we may need. We don't carry much. We've learned that the kids don't really need much, many toys. Um, we brought them some pens and I think a pack of colored pencils or something and a notebook. I think my my son has like a little car with him or something. But that's like, that's the extent of, extent of toys that they have because they find things everywhere. We used to travel with some toys when they were young. And then we got down to, I would just give them like a Ziploc bag, of basically the size of a Ziploc bag. of, And they could put whatever toys they could fit in there, could come with us. Years ago, I gave them that and I said, okay, pack up for your toys for this trip and whatever can fit in here can go. And my daughter was like, I don't think I need that bag. I end up getting things along the way. You know, people want to give them a, pack, a coloring book or a pack of crowns or whatever else, a little gift from the country. They just find things to do, you know, a stick and a rock. I mean, that is hours of entertainment, especially when they're really young. So they don't ask to travel with toys and they don't travel twice. So it makes it very easy. Um, yeah, not many things. We are not budget travelers. You can do this on way more of a budget than what we do it on. Um, we have decided that we are also not necessarily luxury travelers. Although some of the places we stay at are a little bit more luxurious, you're not going to find us at like the four seasons hanging out for a month. We are like comfort travelers. That's what we call it. We're, we're, we call it, we like our comforts because it allows us to travel longer. And we work, or I work right now, my husband works on and off every once in a while um, doing some contract work. But I can bring in money while we travel. So it's not like we have to be on such a strict, strict budget because we're still bringing in money. You know, some sometimes we'll have friends or family that meet up with us and they want to go out to dinner and they want to spend all this money because they're on a vacation. But we definitely are not, we're not going out and spending a ton of money. We're watching our budget a little bit on things that we don't really care that much about. And then we're spending it on things that we really want to do. And we're not scared or hesitating to spend money on things that we really want to do. But we certainly are not just throwing money around left and right. We're, we're cautious and we have budgets. And I wouldn't say that we're super strict, like have spreadsheets on every single penny that we spend. But we do have like some markers in mind that we want to keep to and it varies month by month and kind of depending on what we our years kind of looking like. So yeah, Tanzania, we went all in for Tanzania. It was a very expensive month, but I wanted to do it right. And we hadn't traveled in, you know, months and months and months. Now the rest of this fall, we're traveling nicely, but on a pretty, on a pretty low budget still. This isn't even a question I had ever thought of, but I'm just asking. Like, so for insurance, like, do you worry because you are at locations for like a month like if the kids need to go to the doctor or anything is that tricky because you're constantly traveling not as tricky as you would think okay. um, but sure there's there's so insurance I mean we have 
insurance in the U.S. And then I also have travel insurance. We use a, a company called World Nomads, who I highly recommend. We've used them for the entire time we've been traveling. We've used them. And we have had to make some claims, and they've been great about it. But most of the time, that's just kind of a like security blanket, right? We don't ever really have to use the travel insurance. However, doctor's visits. So we still have our doctor in Florida. And, um, you know, if I have to, I can call him and do a televisit. But we've rarely had to do that. I rarely go to the doctor anyway. We also have community in Tampa that we go back to at least once a year, usually twice. During those times, we will go and do our kind of rounds of doctor's visits if we feel like we need them at the time. I will say, though, like right now, my kids both have like Henley has something going on with her eye, some kind of eye infection. I don't know what it is. It's a little bit scary. It's like one of those things where like, I'm probably not going to go to a doctor here. We're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm sure I could find one and there's great care here, but it hasn't gotten to that point yet. So my first thing would be if it lasts longer, I'll call our doctor at home, do a televisit, see what he thinks, and then proceed if I need to go to the doctor here or not. But, you know, it's available. It's just not something we necessarily want to do while we're traveling. Right. I'm just completely fascinated. I feel like my mouth is hanging open the whole time. Okay, so Egypt, Antarctica, the leopard. Was it a leopard on top of the caravan when you were in Africa, Tanzania? Like, I'm just completely fascinated. Do you know how many countries you've been to? I think I lost count after 50, but it's 50 something wow. um, as a family. I, my husband and I have been to, to some more, maybe in the, me, probably somewhere in the 80s, but as a family, about 50 something. And we've covered every continent with the kids. And, you know, sometimes like, like here, we're in Nicaragua for six weeks. It's like very slow travel. Other times we're in a place for a week or so and it's slow travel. And it was a cheetah on top of the, a cheetah, a cheetah on top a of cheetah. the, the car in Tanzania, you do not want a leopard there. Um, okay. Leopard, we would be, we would probably not fare as well. Cheetahs usually won't attack something that's not their prey, which is why the guide allowed it to use that as a as a kind of point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, we've had some fascinating, some crazy experiences while travel. And we've had the same things that you would have to at home, meltdowns and breakdowns and yeah. tiredness. It's usually just, I don't know, something about traveling makes me open my eyes a little bit more. My mind is allowed to like just wander and think and dream and not be stuck in kind of the rut of what I sometimes get into when I'm in the U.S., which is, you know, this, this certain routine that you just can't sometimes get out of. Do you have a highlight or a country traveling with the kids that just surprised you or was the ultimate moment? No. <laughs> I, we, get at, we get asked that often. You know, where yeah. would you recommend we go? And it's different because every country can be so different and give you different vibes or what you need in that moment. We try to kind of plan our trips based on do we need a big experience, you know? But when you have so many days on a high, like you would in like Egypt or Antarctica or some of these places, 
you need some time to just like come down off of that high. Um, and it's hard in some of those countries. But yeah, I mean, I love Southeast Asia. We've spent a lot of time in Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, um, doing some pretty epic travels there and really getting into the culture. The kids loved the Falkland Islands, like seeing, you know, we took a very crazy um, three-hour off-roading drive out to see this huge thousands of penguin colony and they were about jagger size. They, I think that's one of their favorites, they always say. We've done some, you know, pretty amazing travel through it all. And sometimes I look back and I'm even in awe of what we've done. And sometimes we, my husband and I, we even are like, wow, that was an interesting parenting move. (laughs) Um, You know, on, on some of the trips that we've taken, we try to be safe want to be adventurous. And um, so there's a little bit of a balance there. We took a trip into the jungle of Borneo when Jagger was just one um, to see a former headhunter tribe, the Ivan tribe. And we stayed in the jungle and this boat picked us up with the, the tribal guide that was picking us up from the tribe. And then we started jetting off into the jungle hours and we were just on this like little rickety boat um, in the middle of Borneo. We were just kind of looked at each other like, what are we doing again? Why are we doing this? But it ended up being a fascinating experience. And so, so many of those experiences, um, but it just kind of, yeah, I don't know if I can pick one, obviously. So how do you capture all, like, do you take pictures of all of this and like, do you create albums or anything? Or is it that it's all about the moment, the experience? Oh, especially when we're taking some of those more epic trips. I mean, it's like a full-time job for all the pictures that we take. And, you know, Tanzania, we got back in June and my husband is just getting through those pictures and I have not finished all the videos from it. So what we try to do is narrow down all the pictures that we have into something that is manageable to look at. An album, if it's Tanzania, it's going to probably be like, per day or per area, anything from 10 to 50 photos. And so we don't have thousands of them because it's just, then you never look back at all of them. So that's what he tries to do. And then I try to take all of our 30 second to five minute video clips and narrow it down into a watchable video. We've been doing that since the beginning, thank goodness, because I will say that at times when I'm like, is this worth putting together these videos and these photos we look back at them as a family and we'll watch them some nights. We'll just run through and watch them all. And it is just so much fun. And I'm very happy that we've decided to capture all those moments. However, I will say that we try to be very cautious about not constantly being on in our cameras and our phones um, because we want to also be in the moment. And some of that, it's helpful when we slow travel because we're not just in the Serengeti for two days. We're in the Serengeti for five plus days. Um, and so it's helpful because we have those, caught everything we want to, now we can just kind of enjoy it. But there's such big moments around you all the time that it's hard not to get out the camera and be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible too. It's kind of tricky in that sense, but we've always appreciated that we've, that we've done some videos, done some photos and to have to look back at. Right now, this trip, this fall, we didn't bring any like big cameras. We're not doing many big pictures. We are just kind of just living here a little bit more and and not trying to capture every everything. Um, so it's a little bit different for us than some of the 
bigger trips that, that we take. Do you foresee, and I'm assuming yes, but that this will be your life as the kids even hit 15, 16, 17? I don't know. And we used to say, when we first started traveling, you know, like I said, we said, okay, three to six months. Okay, we're just going to do it for a year. Then we were like, well, we'll do it till my daughter, my oldest, is in first grade. First grade, we definitely have to put them in traditional school. And then we just kind of kept realizing that we don't need to think in traditional ways and we don't need to put ourselves in a box and we don't need to give ourselves all these kind of, I don't know if it's demands is not the right word, but you know, like we don't have to say what we're going to do and stick with it necessarily. We can change our minds. And so now I think we're approaching it with just, this is working for our family right now. We're really enjoying the time together. We also ask the kids, you know, do you still want to travel? Do you like traveling? And of course, when they're in like their Rhode Island community, they're like, oh, but we're loving, you know, summer here in Rhode Island and all of our friends, but they still always come back to, but we are excited to travel too again as a family. Right now it's working for us. It seems like this could work for us at least through elementary school. We'll reassess every single year, every pretty much every six months we reassess if this is working. And that's kind of that's kind of how we're looking at it. So I don't know, but I will say that it's worked a lot longer than we thought it would because we kind of got out of our own way with our traditional mindset. Do you feel like the kids have seen situations that are hard or do you meet people that you feel it tugs at your heart because of the circumstances that they're in? Oh, 100% all the time. I mean, it gives me chills just like just thinking about some of them. But yes, absolutely. 100%. I mean, you cannot travel into a culture and really, and I'm not talking about going to a beach and relaxing in, you know, Mexico and thinking that you understand the culture there. But, you know, because we travel full time, we really get into places and we really want to understand the culture and the people and how they live. And so, for example, in Tanzania, that was one of my big requests when I was looking for a tour company. And the reason some places I will use a tour company is that they can get me into the communities and to visit people and to really see how people live better than I can. And it's not this like, I don't want it where it's like all the tourists go to see this thing, you know, this family. I won't do that. I really want it to be like as authentic as it possibly can while still realizing that we are a tourist. There's a sense of responsible tourism. There's boundaries, there's, there's lines and it's very, it's very hard to kind of figure out. But yeah, we, we went and visited a family that, I mean, they lived in a mud room, basically, you know, my kids have seen how other people live. And also that sometimes they're not, they're not necessarily unhappy. While it's not how we live and we think that you need a TV and this and that, they're all sharing a room as a family. That's where they cook. That's where they sleep. That's where they do everything. But they're still find happiness. And that's not always the case. Sometimes it's really a hard life and we see that aspect too. But there's also times where we've had these moments like is just a lot of family discussions, um, you know, are they really not happy? Are they really living a worse life? You know, yes, we've seen a lot of that stuff. We've also seen a lot of what war can do. We've visited a lot of 
countries, like some of the world wars have happened and had a lot of discussions around that, like Nuremberg and, um, sorry, um, Normandy, Nuremberg also, but Nor- Normandy, France was a big one where the kids were finally kind of at an age that, that was a few years ago, but that they started to ask a lot of questions about war. And we had a lot of discussions around that. We saw some pretty hard things in Cambodia around the recent genocides, but the kids were very young then. I mean, Jagger was one, Henley was three. And so we did shield them from a lot of it at that time because we just felt like it was too young. So our conversations around it were very, very surface level and barely got into the discussion when we were there because they're age. So it's age appropriate is what we tried to do, but we are certainly not shielding them from a lot of things in life. They've seen a lot more than, than most people. Right, I'm sure that they, again, just have a completely different concept, idea, and I'm sure they're empathetic in a different way because they see all things. I'm just fascinated because I feel like they're gonna be amazing humans. I can't wait to see what they turn out to be and how they grow up and watch this whole journey and path. Okay, last question. The U.S. has struggled, I feel like, in the last year, regardless of what your beliefs are, have been divided in a lot of ways. When you're traveling the whole world and you see that happening or you come back and feel it and see it and you were actually here for a year, do you feel like it feels silly and not important? And Or do you feel like because you have a whole perception of the world that you see the value in the U.S. democracy and how it's run? Is that a really weird question? I don't know. No, it's it's not, because we've actually had lots of discussions about this. Um, both, I think, prior to all the chaos that has ensued in the last year and a half or so in the U.S., I would say that we always, I always looked back after having discussions like, in Egypt, right? Egypt can be, is very much run by the government. The government feeds the TVs. Every person, no matter how poor they are, has a TV because the government wants you to because they're gonna feed you the information. And it's very apparent when you talk to people there who has been out of the country and who hasn't because if they haven't, their perspective is very much what they're fed on the TV. And if they have, their perspective is quite different. And it was just very, it was very eye-opening to me to see that play out and to hear these different perspectives and talk to people. And I'm always fascinated talking to people anyway and hearing their views and opinions. I love all different opinions and views and all that kind of great stuff and how people's lifestyles are. I will say at that point, I was just like, this is why the U.S. is great because we have all this freedom and all this kind of stuff. I will say though that right now in the U.S. feels a bit daunting uh, it feels daunting to be there. That's why I really wanted to get out again. And if, and some of it feels silly and some of it feels scary and some of it feels like I've seen this play out in other countries or I've seen how it plays out in other countries. And some of it feels still like, but you can still go there and have some freedoms that you can't in other countries. So it's a little bit of everything. And, and this has no political being or anything like that. It's just, that's kind of the feeling I think a lot of world schooling families that I've talked to also feel is that the U.S. is becoming a slightly different place at this moment in time, and we're not really sure how to feel about it. It does feel nice to be out of the country right now and not have to think and deal and hear of a lot of stuff going on. At this time, I couldn't be more happy to just kind of get away from it all 
um, because it seems like it is, it's the topic of every conversation right right now in the U.S. is yeah. something to do with one of the hot topics. And I don't think it's healthy to have that all the time and be surrounded by it all the time. Agree. Okay, well, Michelle, I have loved this conversation. I could I could actually talk to you for another hour. Um, but I feel like as you travel, like, in another couple years or a year, who knows when, um, I would love to have you back because I just think it's fascinating. I think um, you sharing the things that you're doing, and I think it's eye-opening for parents to kind of hear, you know, just a different way. And I think even hearing some of that it even as a mom for me like it makes me think of how I could shift a couple small things just even how I am raising my children in smaller ways just because you're doing it on such a bigger scale and on a bigger picture so I really did when I opened it up in a way saying that like if I could switch places or you know live the life I just think you're incredible and amazing and I I'm in awe of you for sure. So thank you for taking some time to talk to our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I love chatting travel. I love learning from other people. And I think that, um, like I kind of said in the opening of this, I think it's important. It's just like, you know, if you want this lifestyle, you can have it. But most people, when it comes down to it, it sounds glorious, but then they kind of get into reality and they're like, I don't know that that's really for me because it's, it is a whole different way of living, but it is beautiful for us. And it's the right thing for our family right now. And we are just truly loving it. And every day feels like we're living our best life. And I think as long as you can do that with your life, then, um, then whatever you're doing is working. Thank you so much to Michelle for being with us today. You can reach her on Instagram at Michelle Champ. Thank you to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you'll honor us with the five-star rating and review anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps others find us. And if you want to join the Greener Grass family, go to the show notes, click the link and subscribe to our list. It's been wonderful. Thanks so much for being here. This is Greener Grass. Greener Grass.